Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. There are many times in the Bible when word pictures are painted, and I can think of no better example than the story of Job. Wow! You can actually see that man suffering in biblical descriptions of the agonizing events that ruled his life for a time. But as we're about to find out, Job's conflict wasn't only local, it was cosmic. Here to explain is Dr. Jennings, who joins us via Skype. Dr. Jennings, tell us about Job and the far-reaching ramifications of his sad story. So what we're going to look at is seven truths that are revealed in the book of Job Mm -hmm. that prepare us for the return of Christ. Wonderful. That's what we're going to look at. The first book written in the Bible is the book of Job, not the book of Genesis. Mm. Genesis is the second book written. Job was written by Moses when he was still in Midian prior to going back to lead the people out of Egypt during the Exodus. And and then he wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and so forth. But Job is the first book. And I think it was the first book because there were truths that God needed to reveal to Moses to prepare Moses to be able to handle the responsibilities that were going to be shouldered upon him in leading the people of Israel out of Egypt and to the promised land. Mm -hmm. And these are the seven truths that we also need to understand as we are being led out of this world to our heavenly promised land. And the first truth that we start right in the very first chapter, Job 1, 6 through 12, is one, the war is bigger than us. Mm -hmm. What we learn in the first chapter of Job is that what's happening, Job, is And the conflict that's going on extends past the planet Earth. It includes the angels in heaven. It's a cosmic conflict that includes forces beyond. And the Bible teaches this in other places. We fight against principalities, powers of darkness, and and so forth and so on. But the first thing that we need to remember is that we are in a battle that is bigger than us. And the Bible tells us that our battle is over forces that we don't control and that our only hope is engaging with the power of God, wielding the weapons of God, which are truth, love, and freedom, because the battle is actually not a physical battle that we're in. It's a battle for our hearts and minds. Who do we love? Who do we trust? Who are we loyal to? And who are we going to become like in character and method. Moses needed to understand that what was happening on earth was part of a larger conflict involving the whole universe over these principles. The second big principle is the enemy force is led by a supernatural deceiver. And the Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's Ephesians 6.12. And we see that in the book of Job when Satan comes walking to and from the earth and even tries to deceive the angels by alleging God's lying about Job. And the book of Job reveals that there's an enemy behind the scenes, a being with supernatural ability who wars against the kingdom of God. He's the father of lies, the destroyer, the one who holds the power of death, it says in Hebrews 2.14. He is the source of rebellion, the originator of distrust, the fracture point in breaking away from God. And he is the original deviation and deviator from God and God's principles and methods. And he continues to advance the methods, principles, and activities that cause us to divert away from life, health, and goodness, away from God, and incite us with fear, guilt, shame, selfishness, ruin, and death. And Moses needed to understand that there was a supernatural deceiver 
working behind the scenes, and it was only through the power of faith and trust in God that he would be successful. Third major lesson that we need and Moses needed is that pain, suffering, and death originate with Satan, but God gets blamed. Mm. What you read in the book of Job is that, that God removed a protective hedge, but Satan was given freedom to have access to Job and Job's property and family and so forth. But I want you to notice very clearly, Charles, God did not require Satan to harm Job. Mm. He just gave him freedom to approach and act in Job's life. Mm. And if you remember, Satan later tempts Jesus by offering Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. When Satan had freedom, Satan could have had Job blessed with more wealth, could have had everybody proclaim Job the the king of the world and, and, and given him more power and wealth and steam and pomp. But instead, Satan begins to attack. He destroys. He destroys his wealth, his family, and brings sickness upon him. And Satan is the one doing it. But Who got blamed for it? The servant comes back and says the fire of God fell from heaven. And his friends told him God was doing this to him. And this is what we still see happening in the world today, that pain, suffering, death comes out from God's enemy, but God gets blamed for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We need to have that discernment in our mind as we approach the end of time. Fourth major lesson, family and friends can be used to tempt and discourage. In the book of Job, he had real trials, real loss, real pain, real suffering, and his closest family member, his wife, urged him to curse God and die. And his friends came to him and kept hounding him. It must be his fault. He's got some sin. He needs to repent. Moses needed to understand this lesson because later he would face a time when his own brother and sister turned against him. Jesus had the same experience when his brothers didn't believe him and sought to tempt him. And as we face the final events before Christ's return, we need to remember this. We need to realize that we, like Job, Moses, and Jesus, may have family members and friends who tempt us and discourage us, but we need to not listen like Job and remain faithful and say, I don't understand, but I know one thing, God is trustworthy. And even if he were to slay me, yet I would still trust him. Wow. Lesson five, Bible perfection is about unshakable love, trust, and loyalty to God. It is not about task performance or rule compliance. In the very opening, God declares that Job is perfect and upright, one who fears God and avoids evil. And Satan, of course, alleges that's not true. God was not saying Job is sinless. God is saying Job has achieved a level of faithful, loyal trust to me that nothing can shake him from it. And that's what Bible perfection is, and that's what Jesus has called for us to become perfect, become perfectly faithful to God as God is perfectly faithful to us. Be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And that transforming heart, others have achieved that through time, Daniel, achieve that. He would rather be eaten by lions than to break trust with God. His three friends would rather be thrown in the fiery furnace. And those who are ready for translation when Jesus comes are described in Revelation 12, 11. These are they who did not love their life so much as to shrink from death. The perfect are the perfectly mature, the faithful of God, who though they have struggled with sin in their life, they won't betray him to save themselves. And then number six, the sixth lesson, that Moses needed, we need, health and wellness are not evidence of righteousness. Hmm. 
The book of Job reveals that the righteous may suffer tragedy, loss, sickness, and poverty. It also reveals that being right with God does not equate with success in this world. Many people, including Jesus' own disciples, have not fully realized this. If you remember, they were confused about this and wondering who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. They thought health and wealth was an evidence of right standing with God, and poverty and sickness was a curse of God. And the book of Job disproves that. Job was perfect and righteous in all his ways. No one on the earth liked him, and he suffered great tragedy. Jesus' own life was marked by poverty, abuse, mistreatment, rejection, torture, and death on a cross. And those who held to this false view would use that as evidence that he couldn't be from God because he just got crucified on a cross. And Moses needed to understand this to fulfill his mission as he returned to the richest land in the world at the time, Egypt, with only a wanderer's clothing and a shepherd's rod, not having any wealth to his name, that his lack of wealth did not mean he was not favored of God. He was favored of God. Mm-hmm. And then number seven, the highest calling for each of us is to say what is right about God. Hmm. Ultimately, the book of Job, and this is what it reveals through all the trials, all the tribulations, all the friends, everything at the end. In chapter 42, God commends Job for having said what was right about God. When all his friends were saying this and that, and Job stayed faithful, and Job said, no, this can't be true, Job is commended for what is saying right about God. And at the end of time, we are called to be the lights of Jesus Christ in this world, to shine forth the truth about who God is, to say of him what is right, to give glory to God at this time in human history, for the hour in human history has come for people to make a right judgment about God and stop judging him to be like a Roman dictator who is the source of inflicted pain and suffering upon people who won't love him, and instead recognize that God is our Savior and provides everything for our salvation, but he will never force people by use of might and power, to love and trust him because he can't achieve it. And he will ultimately set people free who insist to be separated from him, but that results in their ruin and death. My, you know, Dr. Jennings, as I hear you say these things, the devil has done a pretty good job of counterfeiting every item on that list. As you've mentioned, every item, counterfeiting, counterfeiting, counterfeiting. How do we find the truth? Where do we go to find the truth? So the war is bigger than us. Yep. And Satan gets us to focus on our navel, and it's all about us. Yes. Okay? The, the enemy forces led by a supernatural deceiver. The, the, the supernatural deceiver hides behind the scenes and discounts the idea of the Bible and God, and there's no Satan. It's all myth. Pain, suffering, and death originate with Satan, but God gets blamed. Oh, no, our insurance companies say that when tragedy oh, happens, God. an act of God. Oh, and God. and uh, so we still blame God for these things. Oh, boy. Uh, the family and friends can be used to tempt and discourage, and we see that today. How many? How many he saw that during COVID and some of the things that happened where families turned on each other. Bible perfection is, instead of being about the unshakable love and trust, it's all about how well we can perform. And people get very stressed and fearful that they're not doing it right and good enough. And so they have all the rules and stress and pressure they put on themselves, and they fear what God will find if he looks at them. Health and wellness are often taught in this world today that it is evidence of righteousness, and rather than, in fact, your character is the evidence of, of righteousness, your love and trust in God, and that many people think that the gospel is about us being saved rather than the eternal good news is the truth about God and our highest privilege is to reveal and share that truth. Okay, Dr. Jennings, do you have a resource for us on this topic on your website? 
yes, if people go to our website, commonreason.com, and just type in Job, they will find a blog that I've written on this, and they can download that, and they can share it with others. You know, it almost makes me afraid to say anything about God to someone else. How do I get the assurance that what I'm about to say about God to someone is not going to harm someone or change their souls and, and make them miss heaven? Our responsibility is to be purveyors of truth. Mm-hmm. We are the metaphor of the sower. The seed is the truth. We take the truth as we understand it. And we share it with others. It is not our responsibility to have that seed take root in the heart. That's oh, up to the heart of the individual. Is it a stony yes, heart or a rocky yes. heart? It's not up to us to have that seed germinate and grow. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, which is the rain that pours out on the heart. And that's not our responsibility. But we are to have a certain wisdom. The, uh, Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine lest they turn and rend you asunder. If it is evident that the person that you're dealing with is hostile and angry, like Pilate or Caiaphas, and and they were clearly not interested in truth, and they would take anything and twist it to hurt, Jesus remained silent before them. He would not talk with them, but he did talk with Nicodemus because Nicodemus had interest in truth. So our responsibility is to have wisdom, share the truth with those that we discern are open to truth. But it's not our responsibility to make sure the truth brings forth the, the good fruit. It may not. They may reject it. It may be plucked out of their heart by the by the busyness or choked out by the business of this world. Well, our time has flown by, Dr. Jennings, who joins us today via Skype. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. We really appreciate your words of wisdom. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries, and the website is comeandreason.com. I like what you said there, Dr. Jennings. Our job is not to convert. Our job is to share truth, and it's the job of the Holy Spirit to make changes in hearts. I love that. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Come and reason.